Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Kapal Radio Show, Mr. He- Kapal. Hello, hello, hello. Today is October 23rd, 2017. That's right. And we're going to start on Psalm 4 today, which is nice. But first, I need to do a little bit of housekeeping from last week. So if you just bear with me a little bit, and then we'll get right on it. Um, Last week, we talked about Psalm 3, and I um, spent, I don't know, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes talking about the subscriptions, uh, the titles above the psalm, that there was 13 titles, and I said how I don't necessarily... Uh, think that uh, they were necessarily historical um, and went and broke down that psalm and showed you, you know, in that psalm how David had wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about God breaking the, the teeth of the enemies and slapping them on the cheek and whatnot. And how you would go and you read that story in Second Samuel 15, David had loved Absalom and actually was mourning his death. Um, rather than breaking the teeth or whatever. So in in my opinion, you know, that psalm didn't have a lot of internal evidence to show it was Second Samuel. Um, and, you know, and I said that was my opinion. So my opinion is I kind of leave those titles out because I want to read the psalm just for what it is, as God breathed, inspired, mm-hmm. and not have a human tell me what I'm about to, uh, you know, Read and then just stop there because that's what I noticed happens. So anyway, I I said that uh, the titles weren't in the original Hebrew, but uh, came through the Septuagint, you know, the Greek um, version of the Bible. Anyway, I was wrong. Um, my good brother Anthony Cummings um, had graciously uh, notified me that it was in fact in the you know Hebrew. Bible. Mm-hmm. So I uh, said, wow, you know, didn't know that because the research that I had looked at. Uh, and fortunately, I did it all online. I didn't look at my own resources because that's not what the show was about. The show wasn't about the technicality of it. So anyway, um, I went and I drug out my Greek, Hebrew, English interlinear Bible. And sure enough, you know, in the Hebrew, the titles are there. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, it's in the Hebrew, uh, you know, so I can accept that, you know, that it's, it's scripture, uh, whatever. But then I thought, well, let me look a little deeper. And I looked a little deeper. And so I went right to the, um, and so in fact, you know, it is in the Hebrew. So that's what I'm cleaning up. So I, I don't want to lead anybody astray. That's my big uh, concern that uh, I will never purposely teach something uh, that I know to be an error or wrong. And so if I'm corrected on that, I will correct that. So I'm human and I do make, do make a mistake, but I won't purposely do that. So that's, mm-hmm. I take this very seriously. So that's one of my big, big concerns that I want to keep it as clean as I can. So anyway, I went to the, uh, the Jewish uh, Publication Society and got the Tanakh translation right from the uh, Nephi'im, uh, Kethuvim, <laughs> It's the uh, it's right from the Masoretic text, all right, Hebrew, and here's here's what the the Jews themselves said about Psalm three in the subscription. It says um, several Psalms have introductions which connect their content to the life of David as depicted in Samuel. The superscription here 
Um, I'm sorry, I keep calling them subscriptions. Superscription here refers to events narrated in 2 Samuel 15 through 19. Uh, It says, um, these historical superscriptions reflect a type of inter or inner, inner biblical interpretation. And let me just say what that is. Inner biblical interpretation is what you called midrash, midrash. Those are Jews, ancient Jews that are making commentary on the Bible, on the words of God, on the Torah and on the Old Testament. It's midrash. It's all over the place. It's all in the Bible, but it's commentary. It's called midrash. And it's not necessarily inspired of God, but it's um, ancient Jews making sense out of things and commenting on them. So it's very uh, valuable to use midrash to gain understanding. But it's that's exactly what it is. It is inner biblical interpretation uh, by ancient Jews. So it says, these historical uh, superscriptions reflect a type of inner biblical interpretation, which is midrash, in which individual psalms are connected to the life of David. The Hebrew and the Greek, that's a Septuagint text, show significant variation, variation in these superscriptions, indicating that they are a late secondary element. Okay, they're a late secondary element. So they are added or they were added and they they're ancient. They go way back, but they are not part of the original inspired word given to David through the Holy Spirit. Say, uh, if you if you read that Psalm three, it doesn't it doesn't read. um, Let me let me pull it up real quick. It doesn't read. Um, a uh, I, David, when fleeing from Absalom in my distress, cried out to the Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up. He, don't, he doesn't write that way. He just starts off, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? The superscription above it says, a Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom's son. It's, it's obviously, it's written like in a third person. It's a songbook. You know, it's a songbook. Mm-hmm. A psalm. So it's not part of that. Um, does it matter? I don't. I don't care. I mean, you know my opinion. I'd, I'd rather not use it because I'd rather just have it speak purely. But you know, that's uh, that's your prerogative. But anyway, I wanted to clean that up. That it is in the Hebrew, but like the uh, the Jewish Publication Society says, it is of a later origin. All right. So. That's the only thing I'm redacting. I'm not redacting anything else that I said about it, just that that it wasn't in the Hebrew. Okay? Right. I, I think that clears, clears that up. And now we can get on to the real stuff. Uh, the reason why we're doing Psalm, and we're going to be in Psalms 4 today. <clears throat> and here's the reason, and I don't know if I made myself clear before, and I, I, don't, I think I haven't. So I want to make, make myself clear on why we're doing the Psalms is because we are looking for nuggets of wisdom on how to live in godliness and righteousness right now in these very last hours and moments of the very last of the last days. All right? We've been in the last days since Pentecost, since the second chapter of Acts. We've been in the last days since uh, what you see, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. We've been in the last days since that point. There's no other days after this on earth 
it's going to be God's eternal kingdom after this. It's the last times. This is it. And so many believe, and you probably do too, um, <laughs> living your life and looking around you, that we are in the last throes of those last days, the last hours, the last moments, really. So given that, I want to look for those nuggets. Of, I want to go back to biblical wisdom and look for those nuggets that would help all of us live better in these times. So the first, the first question, the biblical question I want to answer is in Second Peter 3, right? But I'm only going to read, um, I'm going to start from verse 10, and I might skip a few verses just for time's sake, okay? But I would, I would highly recommend that you read Second Peter 3, because he's talking about the day of the Lord. And he asked a very important question, and that's the question I want to answer. And I need to answer it through Scripture, through, through wisdom. Okay, mm-hmm. so Second Peter three ten says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements, the elements, that means something of order and arrangement, something that's fundamental, <laughs> right? Everything that's stackable." Those elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, I don't know how else to take this, but literally. So until it happens, I don't know how else to take this. So I take this very literal uh, that the heavens, in fact, will pass away with a great noise. And that the elements, everything that's stacked on each other, the the, the alphabet, all the building blocks of life are going to melt. Not with just heat, but fervent heat. And the works gonna the, the works and the earth are going to be burned up. I take it literally. Mm-hmm. So in verse 11, Peter says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What things? The earth, the elements, everything that's in the earth. Those things. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, he asks this question, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. The, the question doesn't end there, but let me stop there. What manner of persons ought you to be in all what? Holy, separateness, sacred, pureness, blameless, right? Consecrated mm-hmm. conversation doesn't mean just what you're talking about. It's not just a conversation. It means manner of life, your conduct, your behavior, your deportment. Mm-hmm. So he's asking the question, how, what manner, in other words, how, how do you behave? What kind of manner of person sh- sh- should you be in blameless conduct and behavior and godliness, holiness, reverence, respect? L- verse 12, looking for and hasting. So you're not only looking for the day of the Lord, you're you're an apocalypto because you're looking for the day of the Lord, but you're you're hasting it. That means you're you you're you're you got speed. You want you want 
You want to urge it on diligently or earnestly. By implication, it means to await eagerly, to make haste for, to desire earnestly. So this day of the Lord of darkness, where the elements melt and the the earth dissolves with a fervent heat, a loud noise, you're supposed to be looking for it and, and desiring it, hoping for it. You're not supposed to be saying, God, I can't wait till Jesus comes, but I hope he doesn't come till after my daughter gets married or after I graduate from school and get a good job. Yeah, that means you're still entangled here. Yeah, absolutely. So you're looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. And then he repeats it, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, then the question mark, okay? So he's basically saying all this stuff's coming down, the heavens, and then what manner shall you be? How do you supposed to behave? How are you supposed to live in godliness and righteousness as you're looking for and desiring this day of God, which is a horrible day for the rest of the earth or the unsaved, is it not? It's horrible. It's, it comes as a thief in the night. So how are you supposed to how are you supposed to deal with that? And he says in thirteen, nevertheless, we according to his promise, even though all this bad thing is going to happen, nevertheless, according to the promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I don't know how many of you are just sick of the unrighteousness, lawlessness, and the the serpentine reptilian system that we live in down here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm hasting the coming of the Lord. I want him to come every moment of the day. I can't wait until I live in a place and dwell where there's true righteousness and mercy. I can't wait for that. I mean, it's just, it's something I eagerly want. Mm -hmm. So how do I live down here? What do I do? And in 14 says, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, what things? The earth melting, the elements, Right. Seeing that you look for these things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And you're going to see that verse 14 ties directly to what we're going to talk about today in Psalm 4. Mm -hmm. It's, It's the same thing that David wrote by the Holy Spirit in Psalm 4. It's the same thing. It didn't change. God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what he expects. How do we then live? I'm, the question, to answer the question is it to be diligent that we're found of him when he comes back in peace and without spot and blameless. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then in verse 15, Peter explains, on account of that, the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. In other words, the reason why he hasn't come back and just destroyed everything, he's patient and long-suffering because of salvation. Mm -hmm. He doesn't wish any to perish. Even though I'm disgusted with the world and I'm ready for it to end, God is not willing that any should perish. And only he knows who's going to still come to him. Right? Right? Yeah, because one, you know, once it's done, it's not like we're going to be able to do a do-over. You're right. You can't unring that bell. You know what I mean? That's it. It's it's, it's sealed. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> can't go back. Oh, there was a couple of more that were gonna, you know, get mm-hmm. saved, but they didn't. Uh, yeah. What what's that Mormon belief you discovered? The Mormons, um, uh, that oh, the praying for the dead. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The reason why they do that is because, uh, well, just in case somebody had died without you know becoming a Mormon, you know, going through the the rites and stuff, that um, you as a, uh, a a living practicing Mormon can actually pray that person out of purgatory into the you know their fellowship because because they explained that god knows that had they been given more time they, they probably would have become a mormon yeah <laughs> so but uh truth doesn't work that way nah. <laughs> that's the mormon false religion mm-hmm. it's uh well they got all kinds of loopholes in that one but it doesn't work that way in verse 17 he says ye therefore beloved seeing you know these things what things the earth's going to melt, heaven's going to, everything's elements, everything. Mm-hmm. Seeing you know these things before, you know them before. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm reading to you right now. So you know before they happen. Peter says, beware, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Mm-hmm. Your own stability, okay? Error. Be careful what kind of delusion, what kind of stuff you're reading, listening to, getting into. Be careful, Mm -hmm. even with the Christian stamp on it. Exactly. And then Peter ends, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. How many times, I don't know, I can't count. If I had a nickel for every time Miss Kapow and I counseled somebody and they go well you know how about this and how about that and how about the flat earth and the hollow earth and you know martians and everything and we say you know what just put all that stuff aside for right now and just grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord just read your bible and that's what the lord wants for you to do and grow in him i don't know how many times we'd we'd have uh, a lot of money if i had a nickel every time we told somebody that mm-hmm. it's hard for people to do that just to get back to the word uh, because they're just chasing all the sexy stuff, all the delusion. Uh, and good Christians do that. They're just, that. that's why they read Jonathan Kahn. Mm-hmm. That's why they got all wrapped up uh, in the Harbinger. Yeah. The, all this nonsense, you know. That's why they're looking for Nibiru. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. So Peter ends, to him be glory both now and forever. Okay, so that, that is why... We, are, we went back to the scriptures because we're looking for those nuggets that will give us the wisdom that will answer this question. You know, how? How then, what manner of persons ought we be mm-hmm. in all holy conversation and godliness? Amen. And it's really not complicated because everything says the same thing. You have to live under uh, that umbrella mm-hmm. of Yahweh. All right? It's complete sanctification. And you're right. Um, Psalm 4 is about sanctification, living in sanctification. It certainly is. Um, what was it that um, um, Jacob Prash said? You, you're, you're saved, and then um, 
you're saved unto sanctification. But there were three steps, oh, wasn't there? Um, yeah, you're you're saved, you're justified, mm-hmm. and then you're sanctified. Exactly. You know, and it's a process. It's not like oh, this ends one to ten, and then I start phase two. Mm-mm. But yeah, you're you know, you got salvation, you got uh, justification, you're justified in Christ, but then you're sanctified. Mm-hmm. It's that sanctification process that's the uh, that's the harder one. Yeah. yeah, the picking up the cross and following Him daily. Uh, that's the harder one. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Jesus never said it would be easy either. No, walking with a cross on your back, nah. No, not so, and then, and then so going easy. where he went, uh, he, he went to death. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, boy. Hello, this is Professor Lamsrath from the Institute of Prophetic Studies in Southern California. Are you tired of going to church yet getting nothing from it? Do you feel good on Sunday, but defeated by Monday? Does your church fail to equip you with the necessary tools to live out your Christianity? And does your church leave you powerless? Have you ever wondered why? Well, you are not alone. I strongly suggest you read Eyes to See Unseen Enemies by Paul and Linda Villanueva. This book examines and explains the problems with so many of today's churches and ministries. You will learn about the false spirits invading churches and the occult practices that have crept into the house of God. More importantly, you will get the tools needed to protect yourself and the ones you love. Eyes to See Unseen Enemies is available at all online digital book retailers such as Amazon, iBooks, and Barnes & Noble. Go to fifthhookmedia.com, F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K-M-E-D-I-A.com for further information. This is Professor Lamsrath, And I am making Eyes to See Unseen Enemies required reading in all of my courses. So I'll see you in class. Psalm 4, Mm -hmm. Ms. Kapow. When I was reading Psalm 4 and I was praying about it, that's what kind of came to me is the sanctification of our salvation. When we go to verse 4, it says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Remember earlier we had spoken about how um, it's not our righteousness that makes us acceptable unto God, but it's the righteousness of God that causes, or Christ, Jesus, that causes us to be right before God. So here it says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. And I was looking at that, and the word enlarged me, means to broaden or make wide, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's salvation. Mm-hmm. When you look up the word um, salvation in the Old Testament, there's several words, um, Hebrew words, that are used for salvation. Um, and one of them is yasa, which is a Hebrew 3, 4, 6, 7, which means to open wide or free. And um, so that's where that word enlarge me comes from. So when we come to the Lord as um, believers, like we were just saying, we are saved, we're justified, and then we're sanctified. It's a continual purification where we're continually being conformed into the image of Christ. But what I thought was interesting a while back when I did um, a study on uh, names like Noah and his three sons, Japheth, his name is uh, the Hebrew number 3315, Yepet, mm-hmm. which means to expand, 
to open, to enlarge. So I thought that was kind of interesting that his name is somewhat of a, a name of salvation. Interesting. When you keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, and then you, if you look at it, and then this is just the Miss Kapow way, you know, you look at Shem, which means name, mm-hmm. and then you look at Ham, which means like dark, obscure, mm-hmm. and then Japheth with an open salvation thing. You know, you kind of have like salvation there. You do. To me. Yeah. Um, so here we are, you know, and living as Christians, we're in this world, we're in the world, but not of the world. And because of that, there's a lot of um, distress because we're going against the grain. We're not part of the system. So we're constantly fighting against the system. We're constantly fighting against our flesh. We're constantly fighting against Satan and, um, you know, the things that of this world because we still have to live here. But, you know, sometimes we have to walk that, um, not the fine line, but there's that we have to look for that that uh, space where we're not completely going with the world, but we're still living here, <laughs> if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. So that's what that first script, uh, verse means to me. Then we go to second um, the second verse where it says, O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity, mm. emptiness, and seek after leasing? See, there's still... A, parts of us that are still of the world. This is that fleshly part. This is that part that still longs for things in the world or that it's, it's deceived by the enemy, you know? And so God is, when we turn to the Lord and we read our scripture and we're praying and we're asking God to search our heart, you know, it's this, um, this part, this verse is talking to that part of us that still longs to go to the world, that is still deceived by the enemy, yeah. that... Um, you know, that still have some flesh issues, right? And then when we go to um, Luke thirteen thirty four. this is when Jesus was turning to Jerusalem, and he says, O Jerusalem, Jeru- Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her bro- brood under her wings, and he would not. See, there's some parts of us that we still haven't submitted to God. Yeah. And these are the parts that he's trying to woo us to go, it's okay, you can give it to me, mm-hmm. and I will change you. I will give you something beautiful for that something ugly that's inside you, right? Yeah. Now, we go to verse 3, says... Well, let, oh, let, can I just interject here? Of course, darling. A couple a couple of things. When, when, when he first says, hear me when I call, I just want to point out that that word there... Mm-hmm is through an idea of accosting a person. It's the call out. You're accosting them. Hey! Mm-hmm. Come here, listen to me! Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just a meditative prayer. Mm-mm. You're crying out. So he's saying, hear me. And this the word here is a different word. Here is a different word, even though it's translated here later on in the psalm. It's different here. This mm-hmm. means to, to pay attention. Take heed to me when I'm accosting you verbally. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, and that's Elohim, not Yahweh. Later, mm-hmm. all through the rest of the psalm, it's, it's Yahweh. Of my righteousness. Um, I want to point that out. But um, in verse 2, when you just finished, Oh, ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? Mm-hmm. Right? It also reminds me, too, of of um, you know transgenderism 
and transhumanism. You know, mm-hmm. you know, why, why would you turn my glory into shame? But uh, but the spiritual application also. And uh, but he says, how long will you love vanity? Right, emptiness. Mm-hmm. But seek after leasing. I want to go over that word. Oh, the lying and deception. Yes, yeah. it means falsehood, mm-hmm. literally untruth, being deceitful, being a liar. So it's like, sons of men, you humans, how long are you going to turn my glory into shame? You know, I made you in my image and you just, you're turning it into shame Mm -hmm. and you love emptiness and you seek after lies. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that goes right with what you're saying about loving this phony false world system. Right. And I do like what you say about the hear me when I call. A lot of times we do counsel people, you know, and we can tell that um, there, there's not that that passion to get rid of this sin or you know something that they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. There's that you know. So when we when we call on to God, it's got to be that I'm ready to get rid of this. Yeah, I'm ready to repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do it your way. I uh, literally to tap out. Yeah, you got to tap out. You win uh, until you get to that point. It's tough because you got yourself in the way. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. No. It's really rough to get rid of the flesh, man. Because the it's flesh a, doesn't It's want a to struggle. Go. That's why it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yeah. You know, we just, we were, it's a spiritual thing yeah. that's inside us and around us. It's a daily battle. Mm-hmm. Until we, you know, we leave these flesh suits and we leave this prison planet, you know, this uh, alien infested rock and get to heaven. You know, it's, it's, we're going to go through the trib- tribulations and the trials. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm done. Verse three. Verse three. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. So we belong to the Lord. We mm-hmm. have been bought with the blood of Jesus, and that is priceless. Nothing, nothing, and no one can compare to that blood that was shed for our sin. And it says, "The Lord will hear when I call upon unto Him." And then we go. It goes back to Psalm one. Six, what we had studied before, where it says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, mm-hmm. but the way of the ungodly shall perish, because there is only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So those that are walking the narrow path, following after Christ, God knows him because God called that person. He yeah. called you. He called me to walk after his son. And he says, My sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And he also talks about the uh, the false shepherd who doesn't come through the sheepfold gate, tries to climb over. Mm-hmm. See, doesn't go through the way of Christ. Yeah. Verse four: Stand in awe, and sin not. Commune with your heart, your own heart, upon your bed, and be still. There's a lot there. Oh yeah, but this also goes back to Psalm one two, where it says um, about the person you know, that delights in the law of the Lord Mm -hmm. and in his law, does he meditate day and night? You know, so many times we go through our, our spiels or whatnot, and it's so easy to, to vet out in the flesh. But here it says, commune with your own heart upon your bed, you know, meditate upon the Lord and, and his word and what he is, he's talking to you. Be still. Yeah. In Philippians four, uh, six through seven says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, 
which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And this is very much like a scripture that is also found in Isaiah. And then also in Peter, he tells us to cast our care upon him because he cares for us. His, his, uh, his um, burden is light. So this is what that verse means to me. And it's, it goes perfect with the rest of the psalm that we'll get to about sleeping in peace. Oh, yeah. You know, goes perfect with that. Mm-hmm. In verse 4, I want to cover stand in awe and sin not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hebrew, it's a primitive root, but it means to quiver with any violent emotion. Okay, not violent like, oh, I hate you, I want to kill you. You know, that kind of, vi- but like violently, violently quiver, mm-hmm. especially anger or fear. Um, I think all of us has probably been uh, either angry enough or fearful enough at, at one point or points in our life where you just, you tremble, you can't, you know, all that adrenaline kicks in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it happened, it happened to me. I was explaining to Ms. Kapow about, um, you know, as a policeman, when you go to a hot call, Mm-hmm. And your blood would just rise up and your, your heart would start pounding. And you literally, your fine motor skills start going down because you're expecting this kind of danger. Mm-hmm. And you get on the police radio and it's really hard to keep your voice calm and not scream. You know, it's really hard to keep that calmness. And um, so this is what this is. It's that quiver with that fear or emotion. To be afraid, to stand in awe, right? Uh, to quake. So that's what it means. So let me think about that. Stand in awe. Quake in fear and sin not. Do not miss the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not just, well, you know, we interpret the Bible the way we want. We kind of do what we want. Um, I know it says homosexuality is wrong, but it's talking about the, the, the temple prostitutes, not about a loving relationship between man and man or woman and woman. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely how they say it to justify their homosexual sin. And Christian witchcraft, right, Ms. Capel? Mm-hmm. That's the big thing that we're seeing. Oh, definitely. Christian witchcraft. <laughs> they call themselves Christians, but they, they, they're in the witchcraft. You wouldn't do that if you stood in awe. You know, and what are you standing in awe of? I, do I need to go back to you know, 2 Peter 3 and, and, and tell you about the fervent heat and the elements melting? Yeah, see, even like in Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Yeah. And let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Mm-hmm. And then commune in your own heart, uh, which is like to um, answer or speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like Ms. Kapow says, to your own heart, your inner parts, your own intellectual, upon your own bed, and be still. So you're taking account of yourself and you're taking an account of that mercy and that relationship you have with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because you're standing and honest and you're sinning not because you know that the Lord sets apart those people that are godly for himself and he'll hear those people when they cry out. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm done with that. Verse five. <clears throat> says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. When I was a um, brand new Christian, this was the very verse first um, that I'm going to share with you that I, I committed to memory. And it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And that is so true. 
That is so true. Mm-hmm. And um, in light of this this um, psalm, you know, when we we call out to God, ask Him to save us, and then He shines His Holy Spirit into our hearts and shows us things that need to be changed, and that we know where we stand with Him that He's he, that He is our Lord and He's our Savior, and He has set us apart to be in Christ to follow Him, and um, now we're offering our sacrifices of righteousness and putting our trust in the Lord. We go to Romans twelve one through 2, where it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Because once again, remember, we have been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't belong to anyone but the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and God the Father. And be not conformed to this world, but ye be transform, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what we do when we stand in awe and not sin not, and we commune with our heart upon our beds and be silent when we think about God and his, um, his mercies and his salvation. And it says um, that we uh, be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yes. Beautiful. Verse 6, there may be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up thy, up thou thy light of thy countenance upon us. How many times have we um, made that dedication, said, okay, Lord, you know, this is for you, you know, change me, blah, 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 where the enemy comes. And then you have the the scoffers, you have the ungodly, you have, you know, those that would try to persuade you from what God has told you, you know, kind mm-hmm. of put doubt and unbelief in your heart. That's what that scripture is. And it, once again, it goes back to um, Psalm 1-1, where blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, yeah. nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So basically, this is what it's saying, that after you've made that commitment to the Lord, stay away from all these negative people that yeah. would have you you know, um, divert your way away from the Lord. Yeah. The people who are not offering the sacrifice of righteousness mm-hmm. and putting their trust in Yahweh. That's right. The Lord. You know, it's, it's pretty, the, the concept or the, the content of what's said here is pretty simple. I'm not saying it's simple to do. Of course, it's impossible to do without salvation and the Holy Spirit. But, God's not requiring a whole bunch of stuff from you. Even in sacrifices, even in the Psalms, the Old Testament, he's saying, offer the sacrifices of righteousness mm-hmm. uh, and put your trust in the Lord. That's how you do it. He didn't say, well, go out and give me three turtle doves, a couple of goats, flip them over, do this, do this, wave an offering, you know, run around the temple 18 times. He's not telling you any of that. He's saying, you need, you need, to be in awe of me. You need to take mm-hmm. stock. You need not only to repent. See, here's the deal. Not only repent, but you have to manifest the penitence by sacrifices or righteousness or righteous sacrifices. That's your life, right? Mm-hmm. That's what God wants. He wants the sacrifice of your life. Not ritual, mm-hmm. Right? So when we choose God, then verse 7 comes into play where it says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart, 
more than in that time that their corn and their wine increased. And that always brings mm-hmm. me back to Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, where it says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the feeds, fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. So if everything else fails, it's even like when um, mm-hmm. Daniel's friend said, even if God doesn't deliver us, I know he will, but we're still going to praise him. We're still going to serve and worship him. Yeah. We're not going to bow down to any of your gods. Yeah. That's what this is saying. And yet I will jo- rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And that's what this basically says. And then um, I like what the Lord said in Luke twelve fifteen, where he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. You see? So mm-hmm. it's our soul. It's, it's our relationship with the Lord. When we choose God over all those other things, we're always more blessed than if we didn't do it. Because what God has to offer is so much greater. Oh, yeah. That eternal mind. And when he says, um, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time in the time that their corn and their wine increased. And of course, um, you look at, well, who's there? Who's the, the pronoun there? And all you have to do is go back up to verse six. There be many that say, who will show us any good? The, even when their corn, those scoffers and wine increase, and of course, that's a, a euphemism for prosperity, you know, mm-hmm. harvest, that gladness is put in your heart more than at a time that they uh, see that 23,000 Dow Jones market keep peaking, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Your joy is more increased than those who say, ah, show us any good. Who will show us any good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? You can put your trust in in money, you can put your trust in good health, good family, a good family name. You can put all those your trust in those things, but those things are all empty. Mm. They're all vanity. They they those things can change. And once your money's gone, your health is gone, your friends stab you in the back, your fram, you have family, um, you know, problems, conflicts, or whatever. Then your your um, foundation will start shaking and it'll crack. Yeah. The only thing that you can really trust and be sure of that will never change is in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And uh, that's that's the only security that you have that's everlasting. That's true. Because everything else down here um, could falter mm-hmm. and will. Nothing else will last but the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it says, so after you've done that and you... You know, you've trusted the Lord and you're, you know, you're trusting and you're changing and having community with him. It says, I will both lay me down in peace. And Brother Kampau and I can tell you that there is nothing as great as the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Yes. And I'm sure of, of you all that are listening, you can attest to that as well, because being saved means that you've been saved from something um, of darkness, of sin, of things that, you know, that create fear and, um, and and being unsure of things. 
and having that peace in in God is um, is valuable. So it says, I lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only maketh me dwell in safety. And that reminds me of the uh, story of Jesus when he was in the ship with his disciples and there was a great <laughs> wave, yeah. tempest at the sea is what they say, yeah. and the ship was covered with the waves. And when they were looking for him, he was asleep. Yeah, and, and they thought dis- they were going to die. Exactly. It was just so <laughs> horrific. And basically his disciples, you know, they said they woke him up and said, Lord, save us for we perish. And he just said to him, why are you so fearful? Ye of little faith. Wow. Right? Yeah. And then the other one is in Acts with Peter when he was in prison and the church was praying for him. And Herod had, um, had brought him forth, but they found Peter sleeping between two soldiers. And he was bound in chains. Before we saw Peter as uh, frightened, afraid, you know, when they took his Messiah away, he was afraid. In fact, he didn't want to be associated with Christ. And now Peter is being, is in prison, you know, with guards and chains. And here he's asleep in peace. Because he's still with the Holy Ghost now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. The peace of God is priceless. You can't buy it. It's, It's a free gift of God, but it's just something that's so valuable. And um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, when Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. See, we have to have faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You're right. And the righteous shall walk by faith and not by sight. And that goes back to um, second. Uh, yeah, was it second Peter? Then, oh, no, first Peter 223. When and this kind of goes with the um, verse. In verse 4, when it says, Stand in awe and sin not, and commune with your heart upon your bed, and be still. First uh, Peter 2, 23 says, with about Jesus, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Mm. This is the way we should be living as well. <coughs> Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Mm. A lot of times things happen to us, whether it's, it's um, founded or unfounded, but instead of uh, reacting in evil or in the same vein, yeah. we need to show the love of Christ and we need to be quiet and let God deal without, with the, um, the outcome because he sees everything, right? Amen. And that's not easy to do, but that's something that, um, that we have to work on. <laughs> Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Exactly. And then when we have peace with God, we have peace with our enemies and when we have peace with God and we know that God loves us, then perfect love will cast out all fear. Yeah. And that's, that's some of the benefits we have as Christians. And those are the promises that are ours that we can claim and work towards. You know, and I think that just takes us one step closer to answering that question mm-hmm. in Second Peter, right? Mm-hmm. It just takes us one step closer to say, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, knowing that everything is going to be dissolved and melted? Mm -hmm. Hmm? What manner of persons? And um, I mean, there's some real valuable lessons here in this psalm Mm because, you know, it starts off with, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. 
if you want God to hear us, if if we want God to hear us when we're in distress and to have mercy on us, um, <laughs> we can't be turning his glory into shame, right? Mm-hmm. We can't be loving vanity and seeking lies, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it says. And we have to know that God has set us apart if you're godly. Mm-hmm. And he will hear mm-hmm. when you call. And so... Well, well, how do I become godly? You stand in awe and you sin not. Mm-hmm. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Be still. And you offer the sacrifices of righteousness. There's a whole bunch here. There's just a nice little list. You could just uh, paste this on your, uh, you know, your bathroom mirror every morning. Yep. You have complete trust in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to lift up his countenance towards you if you do that. Yep. Put Stay gladness away. in your heart. Yep. Stay away from the ungodly and the scoffers. Yeah. Yeah, because many are going to say, what good? What good has anybody done? And you'll say, you know what? When I go down, when I lay down at night, I sleep in peace. I sleep mm-hmm. all night because I know that I dwell safely. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that's a gift. It is. A good night's sleep is a gift. I cannot tell you, and I'm sure you know a bunch of people that don't sleep well at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people don't sleep well. Um, for a lot of various reasons. So that yeah. that's a gift in itself, to know that you're safe in God. Right, Ms. Capel? That's right, Gabriel. You got any other goodies? No, that's it. You had a lot of goodies there. Oh, thank you, President Lord. Nice. Well, then we shall say goodnight. Goodnight, y'all. And give them a choo-choo. Ciao, babies. <laughs>